Let's pray just before we come to this part of the Bible. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word and that it is living and active uh, and that you use it to teach us uh, and to use it to mold us more into your likeness. Uh, and Father, I pray that by your spirit you would come again this evening uh, and that you would speak to each of us uh, and apply this uh, piece of scripture to our lives. Uh, we pray that we would know what it is to rest in you and pray that it would make a real difference to our lives as we leave this place this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a question that I think we ask ourselves probably far more than we ever wish we did. Where did I park the car? I ask it to myself almost every time I leave the church. Or maybe for you, it's, oh, where have I left my phone? Or my wallet? Or my glasses? Or my purse? And I'd imagine that for most people, as they get older, it starts to become a little more concerning. Uh, but actually, this is just a normal part of memory function. Our brains aren't created to be like video cameras, which just record every bit of sensory information that we come across, which is great news for someone like me who experiences this relatively frequently. And one of the key ingredients to remembering, according to a neuroscientist called Lisa Genova, is attention. It says one of the key ingredients to remembering is attention. And ironically, if you weren't paying attention, then you'll probably never remember that. But I wonder, have you ever experienced something like this? So a few weeks ago, I was driving from Kilkeel to Belfast. It's a route I've taken a hundred times before, if not more. And along the way, there aren't many points of significance. And it's slightly embarrassing because what I'm about to say as a significant point is the new roundabout I carried off. And I know it's just a roundabout, but it's noteworthy because it's actually like, it's quite large and it's impossible to miss without crashing through it. So. I was going, driving along the road, and about 10 minutes after I'd passed it, I thought, have I passed that roundabout I carried off? And was it a case that I had just missed it? Uh, well, of course not, because I would have crashed through it. But actually what had happened was that I missed that key ingredient of attention. My brain cannot consolidate any kind of lasting memory without this neural input of attention. As I drove around that roundabout, my attention must have been pulled elsewhere, either to the music that was playing in my car or a podcast I was listening to, or even just the thoughts which were running through my head. And Lisa Genova says that the number one reason for forgetting what somebody did, or what somebody said, or the name of a person that you've just met, or where your car is parked, or you've left your phone, is a lack of attention. Okay, Scott, so you've indulged yourself with a little bit of neuroscience. But what does that actually have to do with rest then? Well, I think if we want a sure way of forgetting who God is and who we are, we only need a lack of attention week in, week out. That seems to be what happened in Ezekiel. Or alternatively, maybe their attention was pulled elsewhere. The first chunk of this book is just judgment after judgment and it is hard going to read. But the reason for this judgment is because God's people Israel have just become like the rest of the nations around them. In fact, in Ezekiel 5, we find out that the surrounding nations, in many ways, are more in line with God's law than what his own people are. Up to this point, it is just Israel have been a broken record of disobeying God and rebelling against this God who has consistently remained faithful. 
judge after judge, king after king, prophet after prophet. It's the same story. Time and time again, God's people forget who they were and more importantly, whose they were. Yet as they sit here in exile here in this passage that we read in Ezekiel, and wonder what exactly went wrong, what happened along the way, God gives Ezekiel an insight. Why has this happened? Well, God says, I give them my Sabbaths, and my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. They never stopped in rest, never stopped to fix their attention on God. They profaned God's Sabbaths, and so they forgot to remember who God is and who they are. So then what exactly does rest allow us to remember? Well, rest is to remember that our God enters a covenant relationship with us. And we think, whoa, Scott, that's a, that's a heavy point to start off with. And it sounds very theological, and it's a real mouthful, and I apologize for that. But I don't apologize for highlighting it because it's an incredible truth. And it's one which we very much need reminder of. I'm at the stage where most of my friends are getting engaged or getting married at the minute. I'm sure you know what happens with an engagement, but there's one part of it which sort of confuses me. Why, is, why are the engagement rings only worn by the woman? As if they are the only ones who should get something to showcase, to show that they're someone else's, or as if they're the only ones who need to remind it that they're not free to just play the field. But this is somewhat reflected here in this relationship between God and his people. Have a look at verse 12 there on your sheet. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbath as a sign between me and them. God gives his people the engagement ring of the Sabbath. This symbol as a reminder of the relationship between them and their God. And it's a gift for them. And God doesn't need such an engagement ring to showcase because he's already shown us his commitment. Time and time again, he's freed his people from lions, from fiery furnaces, from slavery in Egypt, and then ultimately through the cross uh, that she sent his son Jesus to die on. Remember those verses that John highlighted last week, last Sunday night? I will be their God and they will be my people. God needed no ring as a mark of his commitment. He established the relationship in the first place. And that's an astounding reality when we think about our rebellion towards him. We have a God who makes covenants with us. He establishes relationship with us. A God who signs the paper on a committed relationship. And we have seen over the weeks, uh, a few weeks ago, that this God is totally self-sufficient. And yet actually he's chosen to bring us into that covenant. We forget how shocking that is, don't we? And so did Israel here. And so as a reminder, God gives this gift of a Sabbath as part of the covenant which he's established with them. A sign between me and them, says God. A ring to look at and remember that you are his. Rest is an invitation to fix your attention on God, who has not only established a relationship with his people, but who has also upheld it in his faithfulness. Even when Israel turned away, even when we take the ring off for a while and chase our idols, rest is to remember that our God has made a covenant, a promise with us. Now, one of the stumbling blocks that we often come to with rest 
it was still as that we still have all of these Christiany things to do. Yeah, life is busy for everyone, but as Christians, we also have to read our Bibles and we have to take time uh, to think about that and understand that and try to apply that to our lives. I'm just spend time in prayer. We have to attend Bible studies and prayer meetings. We have to invest time in our friends and our families. And the list just seems to go on and on and on. And if we want to become more like Jesus, each of these things are really good. But we also need to remember that they're good because God works through them. We don't progress in sanctification because we've met a certain number of our serving. And nor does our time in prayer earn us more points and get us up the ladder a little bit more. No, if we read the end of verse 12, he says, I give them my Sabbath as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Observing the Sabbath is a means of sanctification in itself. It's a means of sanctification in itself. And that goes against all of our natural feelings, doesn't it? It totally opposes this culture which we've been brought up in, which demands work for any kind of result. If you want to get better, you've got to work, work, work. Pray more, read your Bible more, serve more, evangelize more. All great things which God uses to make us more like Jesus. But God also says that even in your rest, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I'll use this rest too. We don't belong to a work-based religion. As John pointed out this morning in his sermon, we can't add to the gospel. We came to God by sheer grace and we go on with God likewise. We need rest as a reminder that it's God who sanctifies us. So my point of application then is very simple for these first two points. Every week we ought to receive the gift of Sabbath rest. And if you think you don't need the engagement ring reminder of your relationship with God, I think you might be mistaken. And if you think you won't be a good, as good a Christian if you take this time in rest, you're mistaken. I don't see people turn away gifts very often that they need. But one of the things which I do see them turn away quite frequently is Sabbath rest. And it's one of these things which God says, actually, you need this. Look at your calendar Clear a day every week and use it to remember that your God has invited you into relationship with him. And use it to remember that he is the God who sanctifies you, even in your rest. But rest is also to remember that we were created for God. I want you to think about the last time that you've met somebody new. And with new people coming to Ravenhill quite frequently, which is great, so hopefully you don't have to cast your mind too far back. Uh, but think about the first few questions that you asked them. I'm sure there was probably an exchange of names to start off with. Uh, and then maybe down the line, you maybe ask them, oh, so what do you do with yourself? You may be wondering, oh, what fills your time or what keeps you ticking? Basically, that's the essence of it. And I'd say within the first three questions we've asked them, we've probably questioned about what their status is or some key part of where they find their identity. I've heard some Bible teachers really hate this question. They think this is an awful question to ask because of that reason. But I actually think it's our answers which are the problematic part. The question I think just shows that you have a genuine interest in them and you'd like to know about what they do uh, day in and day out. But our answers on the other hand can be a showcase of our idolatry. 
I guess it depends on the heart behind the answer, because sometimes I think um, we can actually answer that question more as, oh, what's my purpose? When somebody asks you, what do you do with yourself? You think, oh, what's my purpose? And that's a challenging thought for us then as we go to answer that question. I often hear things like, oh, I'm retired now, but I'm still an elder in the church. As if eldership maybe shows purpose or status. Or I work in computer science for quite a large company. Oh, you must be very good then if you're employed by such a large company. And for me, my answer is usually, oh, I'm studying biomedical science at the minute. And this is a tricky point because in one sense, these are just facts and we all have a very simple answer to give. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do have to question if our hearts behind that are proclaiming our purpose or justifying our status in those moments. And that is a heart issue more than just simply the words that we're saying. My answer is just a plain fact. I do study biomedical science. But if people didn't think that my degree made me sound like I was smart, then I'm fairly sure that I would probably try to add something else into my answer to give myself a little bit more credit. And this is a real issue and it is a heart issue and I'm ashamed to actually say that that is the case for me. But I'm guessing that it's probably the case for a lot of us as well. It's what a lot of us do when we answer that question because we find our identity and our purpose in our status, in our job, in our friendships. But rest is actually to remember that we were created for God. Have a look then with me at verses 15 and 16 of that passage in Ezekiel. Moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land that I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all the lands, because they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes and profaned my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Our idols don't look so much like Israel's shiny gold statues, but instead, they actually often look like the reflection in the mirror. The career that we have, our status in society, the money that we possess, our roles as an individual, what our relationship status even is, our hearts continually go after these idols. If we neglect rest, we fail to remember that we were created for God. Our attention is pulled elsewhere. And instead of noting uh, the roundabout, our focus then instead is just on the noise that's all around us. We act as if we do not know our creator like Paul describes there in Romans 1 verses 22 to 25. He says, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity honoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I don't know about the rest of you but over the years I have found taking Sabbath rest as one of the most valuable disciplines uh, in my week. I am outright guilty of mistaking where my identity lies I can say yes so easily to everything people ask me because I want to desperately please others and I want to gain their acceptance. 
And really when I'm doing that, I'm simply bound down to the idol of popularity, when really that I have an audience of one. I'm one who has already accepted me in his sight because my trust is in Jesus. Another thing I can do is that I take on too much because I like the busyness and I think that makes it, me feel important. And there again, I'm just bowing down to the idol of status in those moments. I need this Sabbath rest as a reminder that actually I was created for God. I don't know where busyness comes for each of you or what pulls you away from rest, but I do know that from these passages that we all need rest as a reminder that we were created for God. We weren't, create, we weren't simply created to please our boss or get a good grade in uni or be the best parent in the world or get through our to-do lists. No, we were created to love and honor God. Rest is to remember what Adam Mabry mentions in his book, and it's on your sheet there. I'm not just a tool for productivity. My value lies not in what I do, but who I am. My identity is in being an image bearer, not in my contribution to the economy or my status in my community. I'm a human made for God, by God, to be with God. Rest is to remember that we were created for God. Now for the last couple of points, we're going to turn to a passage in Luke. And again, it's on your sheet. And it's from Luke 13, verses 10 to 17, where it says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you're freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosened from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all the adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. I wonder, have you ever noticed how elephants are tied up whenever they're at the circus? You know, just to keep them in a certain area. I was in Thailand actually a few years ago, and they did the exact same, th same thing there. You'd imagine that because of their size, it's probably a huge cage or something pretty industrial looking. But actually, it's simply a rope or a chain tied to a stake in the ground. And you may be thinking, well, Surely that wouldn't hold them with the size of an elephant and with their strength. But actually the reason that it's sufficient is because the animal is conditioned from a very young age to think that it's not strong enough to escape. It's grown up now and of course it could break through it, but it still has that thing in its mind where he doesn't know that it's strong enough. It's more than capable of taking the stake out of the ground. As we live our lives as Christians, it's very easy to fall into the lie that we're still bound by the power of sin and Satan. When we burst out in anger, we, th in anger, we think, oh, well, that's just I am. When we fall into the idolatry of popularity or status or any number of things, really, 
we excuse we excuse it because well we've always been like that and we think oh well it doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon but one of the things that we learn from this passage in Luke is that rest is to remember that God has freed us look at verses 15 and 16 of that passage then the Lord answered him you hypocrites does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosened from this bond on the Sabbath day? This is exactly what happened with God's people in Egypt. He freed them. And yet as they headed towards the promised land, time and time again, as we talked about, they forgot that. And they profaned God's Sabbaths. And so they simply forgot to remember that actually God had freed them in the first place. They turned away from him and became just like the surrounding nations. For us today, we see this passage through the lens of the cross. And then we see that we've been freed from the bondage of sin and Satan. And our rest is an opportunity to remember that they do not have power over us. Now that passage that we just read in Luke is part of a larger section. And actually I think the section begins back in chapter 12 verses 54 to 56. And again it's on your sheet and he said, He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be a scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Do you know that saying, red sky at night, shepherd's delight, red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning? Jesus is saying, you're really good at actually seeing what the sky looks like now and predicting the weather for the future. Why can you not then work out spiritually what I'm saying? I'm saying something spiritually now to tell you truth about the future then. These people are kicking off because the woman comes for healing on the Sabbath and Jesus then released her from that bondage. But not only should the ruler of the synagogue have realized actually this is okay, he should have realized this is more than okay because it points to something even greater. His power to heal shows that he has power to heal this broken world power to fix this broken world and what better day to show that you have the power to do that than on the sabbath which is pointing to this greater rest pointing to a future where jesus restores the earth and the earth is made perfect rest is not only for remembering that our god has freed us it's for remembering that there's a perfect rest still to come for those who are in christ Yes, we're freed from the bondage now, but we know that, still sin, that sin still somewhat has a taint on our lives. But not for forever. And that's the encouragement that we have here. One day, those in Christ will experience a perfect rest where idolatry isn't even possible and our attention is solely fixed on the one who has saved us. Nothing to pull us away from being able to remember that freedom. I should highlight that in each of these points, I've quite often referred that it's for those in Christ, to those who know Jesus as their savior. And I'm not just being precise for the sake of it here. 
This is important because there is no rest outside of Christ. Those who do not trust in him as the forgiver of their sins and those who do not love and serve him. Jesus' death on the cross means that specifically for those who believe in him will have eternal life and experience rest both now and then perfectly forever. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We take his yoke. We learn from him. Because only in him do we find rest. Any other way of receiving rest, any other way than coming, coming humbly before Christ, who can make us right with God, anything other than that will be nothing more than a sugar high. We might feel good at the time, but it actually has no substance. For those in Christ, there will be a perfect rest to come. And we can experience something of that now on our rest on the Sabbath. Remember at the start what I said about the key ingredient for remembering what was uh, for remembering? It was attention. So I'm not sure it's enough for me to say, okay, go and take a day of rest. Because if you just put your feet up all day and you're watching Netflix, I'm not sure that you'll end up remembering a whole lot more than what the people in Ezekiel did. So here's a few pointers. First one is to build habits into your day of rest which will help you fix your attention on God. Read your Bibles, maybe more on the Sabbath than any other day, because it's about the clearest reminder that we have from God of him bringing us to himself, of him upholding us in his faithfulness, of him liberating us from the power of sin, of him going to bring perfect rest to his people and to the creation. Read it for your enjoyment and know that he is God. Know that you've been brought into relationship with him and remind yourselves of these incredible truths that we have at our hands. If your day of rest is on a Sunday, then great, go to church and be reminded of the gospel there. Or take time to focus on God in prayer. Build habits into your day. Don't just take a day off and watch Netflix throughout it. Build habits which point you towards God. Another pointer I have then is to leave your work the day before in a place where you're happy to leave it. Don't leave it in a place where then on your day of rest that you're going to be thinking of it constantly and it's going to be bugging you. Leave it in a place where you're happy to leave it. Know then that you can rest without thinking about your work. And then the third thing is know that you're actually free to do one of your hobbies. I think in Northern Ireland we have this idea about the Sabbath that it has to be miserable and it has to be uh, locked up in a room and so boring but actually know that you're free to do your hobbies as a declaration that you're more than your work that you're an image bearer created for God in everything you do whether that be a hobby or whatever else we have a great gift as God's people a mark to show that we're in relationship with him that we're upheld by him that we're created for him, and that we'll spend now and eternity with him. All thanks to the perfect life, death, and resurrection of our Savior Jesus. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for the rest that you gave us in Jesus. Thank you that in him we are made righteous before you. Thank you that when you established a relationship with us, you gave us the gift of Sabbath rest as a reminder to us of who we belong to, the engagement ring, if you will. And God, as each of us thinks about this day of rest, which we set aside, would you help us to see the importance of it? Would we learn from the people of Israel neglecting it? And would you teach us practically what that looks like for each of us? Help us to recognize you are the God who sanctifies us. And help us to declare with our rest that we were created for you. Not to serve idols which demand more and more work from us, but you who invites us to rest. And God, would we be reminded as we read your word, as we fix our attention on you throughout the week ahead, that you're the God who's freed us from the bondage of sin, giving us a glimpse of the perfect rest that we'll experience one day in heaven. Help us to remember you in rest. We pray this in the gracious, saving name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.